Welcome to the Pumipo Podcast with your host, Gary, Chuck, Just Brian, and Proper Brian. On episode 41, we talk about how much luck is too much luck. So grab a brew, join us at the pub, and let's talk board games. All right, guys. Uh, well, welcome back to the, the virtual table here. Uh, it's always good to see you guys, see your uh, your your bright shiny faces and the, and, the, and the glow of the screen. Oh, wow. And just sorry, just Brian just made a face that makes me never want to see him again. So, all right. So, so what have we been playing, guys? Just Brian, well, you know, since since you're making a you're making a grimace there, I'm excited uh, to talk about yeah. this. Yeah, no, tell us what have you been playing. I got to break out Small World with my ten year old. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, that was a really fun time. Two-player Small World, which kind of is a throwback to when Amanda and I used to just play Small World all the time, you know. And she's kind of getting to that age where I get to break out more of these games that, you know, we kind of fell in love with early on. And she really liked it. She had a great time. Um, she beat me. And, and, and I really don't remember playing like soft on her you know i was just kind of teaching her the rules and stuff but I, she got it real quick and i was giving her tips as we go grab the pixies and and you know obliterate everyone that's great and that's fun but we had a we had a blast playing it and it's really the first time i played small world in maybe two two and a half years since i played with you and oh, seth wow. gary uh it was uh, back when i had the office um, that, was, that was a while back it was a long yeah. time ago so that that had to kind of dust it off get it out played with my oldest and man i it, it reminded me why I liked the game, and I got and it was kind of just a fun moment for me and her. So yeah, that is very very cool. Well, uh, man, anyone else got any cool games they played lately? Uh, I got to play one I got for Christmas. Um, played the My Little Scythe with my kids. Oh, dude, yeah, I remember you talked a little bit about that. How how that how that go overall? It, it went well. Uh, my son was able to catch on to all the little pieces parts it's definitely not for experienced gamers or anything like that it's definitely a kid's game it, it can get very monotonous a lot of things you do over and over again and it, it kind of a lot of fiddliness with upkeep and stuff but it was nice seeing them make this specifically my six-year-old uh, son making decisions on a higher level than some of the games we've played in the past the expansion is a little too much probably uh, there's some powers there that we ended up just kind of ignoring we we still use the little the blimp or whatever it is it's basically like the aircraft but there's just one of them not everybody everybody shares the one and they can all move it around um as opposed to everybody oh, having cool. their, which was kind of cool like and what it allows you to do is just store more of the apples and things that you can use instead of having to have it with you on your you know with your character like you would in normal scythe so it's like a little bank so that that was nice. I think that was a good for the kids. Um, made it a little easier to complete missions and things. It was really nice. I liked it for a kids game. I think it was very excellent. Kind of on the pricier side as far as kid games go, but still really nice. That's why I enjoyed getting it as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, it's always it's always good to get those games. I don't know if I want to buy that. I'll put it on my li- on my wish list. Right. One of the cool things about that game, I just want to mention this that it, you know it comes with these nice little minis. And it comes with a painting guide. It does. You know, for each one. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, touch in the game. And my kids saw it and they're like, we want to paint. I'm like, I got to go buy paints because I don't, I don't have any. But I thought that was really cool. I've almost thought about having my kids paint them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would be really cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I know I've got a couple of games online. Oh, yeah. So our friend Jeff had uh, had taught me how to play Command and Colors Ancients, and we played online uh, via a uh, tabletop simulator mod. 
And man, I I am quite enamored with that system. It's it's the command and color system. It's the same system used in Memoir Forty Four, which is uh, a very very popular World War Two or war game. Um, now I think this this version of the system, of course, adds a, adds a few elements or whatnot. Um, the first game we played, uh, you know, I was just still trying to wrap my head around the system. It, it, you play with cards. So if I want to do an action, I have to have the card to do that action. And so at first it seems a little limiting, kind of like Yuseki Gahara, right? But once you get, once you really understand the system, the cards aren't really limiting you as much. You're building your strategy around the cards you have, right? Instead of saying, oh, well, I don't have the cards to do what I want. It's like, let's see what I can do with the cards I have and like maximize on that. You can defeat a, an opponent, an overwhelming force sometimes, pretty well with good tactics like causing them to retreat and if they have to retreat too much the units essentially disbanded he he did some really cool tricks where he moved his cavalry behind me and uh, devastated my forces and so on the next game we it was quick enough we turned right around and played the second game um i managed to squeak out a victory man i'll tell you it's, it's just a really neat card playing system the the mechanics weren't too hard now granted we didn't play some of the more advanced scenarios uh, we're going to get into those. We, we've agreed we're going to try to get a game, try to get a game a weekend. Um, man, that's what I really want to. I know we did some deep dives recently. Uh, man, that's what I really want to deep dive. Have any of you guys played Memoir or any of the other Command and Colors games? I've played Memoir Forty Four. What What was your What was your take on on Memoir Four? I've never played Memoir Forty Four. What was your take on it? Probably, I really right? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very simple system that led to complex decisions i don't know if that makes sense but no, that's, that's you put it perfectly the the the, the system is fairly simple but the decision space is like blowing my mind you know right that's what i think i liked about it the most the the system is you know you choose for memoir 44 anyway you, you know you choose a card that either affects the right flank left flank or the middle right it's not a hard decision to make in in terms of that it's like where you're going to affect on the map but then you know, obviously the map state makes that a very complex type of situation. Like, what are you going to do now with that, with the card that you played? But this, does Ancients work the same way? Yeah, yeah, you're definitely, you, it's very much responding, right? I mean, you build an overall strategy, but because it's a two-player war game, I mean, you, you have to react. And in the card play, you have to tailor your strategy to what you have, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you play a card that's not really that effective unless you just move one unit, but it's like, I just want to get it out of my hand. So this turn, I'm only going to maybe move the one unit position a little differently, and I'm hoping for a draw that that helps me a little bit. And I've noticed most of the cards are really helpful. Like most of the cards are something that's almost universally good, but you know you have some of those. Like I got a couple very specific cards, like back to back. That honestly, they're they're some pretty great pulls, and uh, they really help me out. Now, if I had to put that strategy into effect they wouldn't have done anything for me. Right. So a very uh, elegant system, I thought, you know, not, not too complex, but what it, what it allows you to do is, is rather complex so much so that I kind of put my name on the, uh, on the P 500 list for GMT for command and colors, uh, samurai, which, oh, cool. um, I, I'm, I'm second guessing myself on that one, but I think I do want to own that one. So yeah, when that one comes around, uh, this spring, uh, maybe I'll, uh, maybe we'll all be able to get play together and uh, I'll be coming to your house, uh, begging you guys to play samurai with me. So, so the game I want to talk about that I got recently to play was one that I've wanted to play for a long time. And that's age of steam. And we all yeah. got to play that one together. 
it's one of those games that's been out there for a long time and i and i know this this, i was at the second edition that came out recently yeah the deluxe Uh, edition. the deluxe edition i remember looking at the game a long time ago and just thinking it was interesting and uh since gary has been into the the rails type games more recently and he's been talking them up i've been more and more interested in it so finally we got to play it you know speaking of kind of the opposite of a, a simple system it's it's a a lot more of a complex system. There's a lot going on in the game, but it's a really, really interesting game. It's one of those that uh, you can fail at early, but I think it also is one of those that has a lot of depth to mine. And uh, I realized in our play, I tried to sit kind of in my own little corner and do my own little thing, but I realized uh, oh, about three quarters of the way through the game, I was like, wait a minute, I really need other people to use my rails to really yeah. maximize, like I need to get in other people's way, you know, so they have to use my stuff. Um, I felt like that was what was really holding me back in the game was uh, no one ever used my rails. And so I, it, it really kept me from generating, you know, income in the game, but man, I enjoyed it. It's one of those that's really high up on my list to purchase now. Um, I just need to figure out who I'm going to play it with besides just you guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I hate that being in that situation where you're like, I really want this game, but um, I don't know who I will play it with besides the person I just played it with. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, do I need to get the game right? Yeah, it's always a tough spot to be in. I'm glad you liked that game. I, I, I have since played it with my teenage uh, kids, and um, both. Of, well, my son already liked the game, and my old, my daughter liked it as well. Um, she ended up winning. I think that probably had a had part something to do with it. I think my favorite part about that game is you you auction for or you bid for turn order, which yeah. is in a lot of games. But shortly after that, in turn order, you also get to pick some actions or some some uh, bonuses that bump you in front of others just for certain actions. So, in the arc of the turn or the arc of the round, you get to everybody gets to build and everybody gets to move goods and those kind of things. Uh, but just because you bid for first turn order means you're likely to be first in most things, but maybe not first in the thing you necessarily want. You can only kind of guarantee yourself first in one thing. Yeah. And then everybody else kind of gets to decide. And then whatever the leftovers are, you're still first if you bid high. And that was neat. I would like to see that implemented in games outside of, of this kind of, you know, train or track route building kind of thing. I would like to see something like that in other games that have multiple phases in a round, yeah. you know, where turn order gets to get messed with just a bit from phase to phase. That was kind of, I really love that probably the most because there's, it builds attention into your decisions. Yeah. Um, I know like when I was playing with my teenagers, there was one time where I, I bid quite a bit to go first. And then I wanted to do well, an urbanized action, which means I got to put a city out on the board but because I chose that action, um, I'd also wanted to move goods first. But I, I kind of thought, well, no one else is going to take it. Well, next thing my daughter does is take move goods first. So it was kind of like she ended up using some of the goods I had wanted to use. And so it was like, oh, well, you know, I built this, I put the new city on the board and I built track to it. But that lot of good it did me, she took the goods I needed. Yeah, and, and so, you can't blame anybody you know, but yourself yeah. because you're the one who took urbanization instead of move goods. Yeah, first. I mean, if I really so. needed the goods, I mean, I had another city I might have been able to take them to a shorter route, wouldn't got as much, wouldn't got me as much money, 
And so, yeah, I, it was kind of a gamble I took, right? Like, well, I'm going to take this, and I'm just hoping you don't take that. And so, yeah, there's there's uh, a lot of that. I liked sitting back and not getting first and then taking the action that I was going to take anyway. Yeah, no, that always feels good <laughs> when you're like, well, I can go, I can go last for free, and I'm pretty sure no one else wants what I want. And then you take it, you come in and do like move first or build first. And everyone's like, what? Yeah, Last place. Really uh, yeah. It's, well, it's I think the only time that I went after that really high bid was when I needed something very, very specific. And you right. want to just make sure that you get that and no one can get it yeah. before you get it. Right. But the, and, and then you get the leftovers yeah. and that's fine too. And man, what a great, what a, that's my favorite decision the whole game yeah. building yeah. tracks, whatever. I mean, that was, that was all fun. And I know that's, that's what most people well, go after and the, but that's where the game was. Well, I think me. that's where the game game is often won or lost. Probably. I mean, I haven't played enough, enough games to really kind of make that statement, but um, the impression I get from listening to people who do play it a lot is the game is often that's, that's what it comes down to, right? We can all see that juicy route out in the middle of the board. It's who's going to get there first and who's going to move those goods first. Right. And, and in that particular game, the arc changes. Early in the game, we want to be putting cities out. Later in the game, we want to be moving goods, yeah. you know, or, or building. So depending on where you're on the game, what you want changes. And, oh, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. I loved, That's a great game. I loved the issuing of stock in that game. The, the decision there of can I do what I need to do with only this much money? It makes you yeah. really think about how little can I do what I really want yeah. to with. Well, moving on to our main subject for the night, coming from a game that has like little to no, when there's very, very little luck or randomness in the game, to uh, just our topic of, of just luck in general, of how much luck is too much luck. And I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because I feel like a group is probably all over the place and I'm not even hundred percent sure where I, I stand myself. Uh, I'll get to that later, but guys, the question I want to pose to you tonight is that how much luck is too much luck, how much luck before a game loses your interest, right? Or before you think it feel like a game is broken or, or you don't like the design. I think Gary, uh, we're going to find that we forgive this just like in our last episode we're going to break our own rules yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I don't like it, but I forgive it. Yeah. So as Chuck kind of talks about what he's about to talk about, I think we can all probably <laughs> pick on a game like that where we're like, wait a second, you like this other game. So, so just kind of a caveat there, like whatever we're about to say, yeah, there's probably a game that we, we forgive this in. So, okay. So Chuck, okay, well, uh, so since we know, we already know what you're about to say, I think, but all right. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, I was, I was going to plug the, I did a, a YouTube video on this a while back uh, about randomization in general. Yes. Um, go check it out. Uh, BG board game mechanics. Yeah. I'd love to re, you know, redo that series. Let's but bring anyway, that up. let's make that this episode. Why aren't you doing more YouTube? <laughs> Chuck? Uh, anyway, moving on. So, okay. So here's, here's the thing with randomness. I'm, I'm very picky about randomness. Like I, I, I do not, I've had enough Monopoly, right? Like, I don't want games yeah. where it's just you roll dice and that's it. Like, that, that's your whole game. That's not fun to me. I want some sort of decisions. It doesn't even have to be like super strategical decisions, but there needs to be some sort of decisions. One of the things I talk about in the video is like inherent res randomness, right? Like, when you have a deck of cards, there's inherent randomness in that. Um, and, and so it's, it's about the way, for me, the, the way those are handled in the design. There's, um, when you have something that can be very random, 
and then you add something on top of that that's even more random that makes decisions for the first random aspect you're you're doubling up those are things that i don't like i don't that's too much for me for instance like say say you have a deck of cards right that are have all kinds of different powers and things. And um, like you, one of the cards, when you play it, says you need to roll a dice for certain things to happen. That bugs me. That really, that, that bothers me. I don't, I don't like and an example of this. And here's one we forgive. Zaya. Zaya does this. You, you play a mission card and you have to roll for whatever your rewards are going to be. Right? Aren't there a couple of, of cards like that in there? And, and Star Wars so, Out of Rim does it too. Yeah, you're talking about like random inception, right? Like yeah, it, the yeah. first thing you you draw <laughs> is random, which leads you to a second random act, right? Yeah, and that that bothers me. It it can it can be really poorly executed and sometimes it it can be mitigated a little bit, which is not as bad. The problem that I have with it is when it when it gets to a point where like like you you just have no control over the game. Like the game is just playing out. Yeah, the game's playing that, you, right? I don't like that. It's not fun. Like you spend an hour or so playing a game that you don't get any decisions throughout. I mean, it's that bothers me. That's too much. Can I mention, and this isn't a board game, but it is, it is a digital board game. And that's, I was talking about that very same thing about Mario party with my kids because Mario party is, it's all random. That is that is a board game, by the way. What is the but switch it's, Mario party it, is it, a board really game. Is. It, I mean, it plays on, it plays like a board game. Right. But it's all random. It's like you roll the dice and something happens and you had no decision about what, you know, what the dice came up. And so you had no, no choice about where you landed. And so you had no choice about what happened when you were there. And so you had no choice about where you ended up in the mini game you were playing. You have no choice where the stars end up on the board. You have no, like, it's all randomness. And I was, so I was trying to, cause one of my kids was getting upset. He's like, I'm trying so hard. I'm like, you can't try in this game. There's yeah. the try <laughs> and we've had that same talk and it's, it's that uh, discussion of agency. Do you have agency in this game? Can you make decisions? And, and proper Brian, we play tested a game once we, we won't mention it, but that was our main critique and it wasn't die rolls this time. It was card draws yep. and we had absolutely no agency in the game. You flip a card, you do what it says. And then I flip a card and do what it says. And we basically, told this narrative over you flipping a card i flipping a card and who won who cares you know yeah we had no agency in the game at all yeah none and isn't this the most obvious this is the most obvious this is too much luck this isn't a game anymore the game is on rails i think is what we say right so so pulling back from that i mean where where's that threshold then for you guys so obviously that is and we we can all agree not fun right the game's on rails the game plays you where do we land on that spectrum then you know, because I, I used I used to not like luck very much. I used to not not like dice in games. Now I I, I I don't. There's games. This is where I'm confused. I'm like, talking about this topic. Even like today, I was like, I thought I knew everything I was going to say, and then I started questioning everything I had, all the notes I had, because I'm thinking to myself, I I do like a lot of games with randomness, and I, I think that the difference is if we're going to have randomness and and, and and luck be a huge factor in the game, I think it needs to number one apply to all all players. Right, everyone needs to be subject to it. Um, and even like even if we're talking about like a dungeon crawl, right, where I forgive it, right? So like we play Gloomhaven, right? We're subject to the randomness of our deck, but there we build that deck, right? Over time, we mitigate it, and then even even though we're subject to the randomness of the card draw, so is the the AI, right? The 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 game, the game is subject to that too. So it almost feels fair. Like sometimes I get a bad draw, but so does the the game, right? 
So I guess to me that almost feels fair, right? I'm, I'm the game's not. I'm still making decisions, but sometimes my move gets negated every once in a while. But I, I don't know. Some, but I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I forgive it in that game, right? So why is that? Because you play that. You, we play that together. Yeah, I think it has more to do with. Okay, so I, th- I think it's more than one step. This is uh, like a problem with my semistics. There's so many times you roll a die and it's a fifty-fifty shot, and there's so many die rolls in that game that whether you move, whether you fight, whether you search, it all depends on the roll of a die on whether or not you're successful. That's no fun. Uh, every single action you take is almost a 50-50 shot. I guess Zaya, like like Shuck said, almost suffers the same result in certain things. The the difference is you don't have to do the things in Zaya. You you choose to go through that shield and you get the 50-50. But like what you're talking about with um, Gloomhaven, we have enough other things going on so yeah the the game doesn't hinge on that one card draw no it does where yeah. where so many of these other decisions the game can turn on the die roll the game can turn on the card draw and i think that's where it really sucks if you get to the end of the game and you played well and that last card draw bombs it like it happens so many times in my mystics suddenly that's too much luck so i think one of the other areas where it it really kind of hurts a little bit is when you're trying to set something up, like you're trying to collect something like your round can be delayed a couple of rounds or turns because you're waiting on a certain resource and you, you don't get it right. Like that's kind of bothersome in some aspects. And so I mean, going back to the, the, like the, my little site that we played the other day, when you go to a, a resource, like you're going to repopulate resources on the board. So there are two options you can pick. You can either pick to roll two of the apple dice or two of the diamond dice. And so you have an, a better opportunity to get more of one of the resources that you want. The, the randomness is where they come out on the board. You're going to get a diamond somewhere if you roll a diamond, but it's, there's like different sectors of the board. And so it, it may not be close to you, but you'll have a better opportunity for it to be close to you if you take the two diamonds instead of the one diamond. And so I, those, there's a, those are ways to mitigate that are beneficial. And that doesn't bother me so much. It, it's when you're like, like you're talking about where it's, it comes down to a 50-50. Like, what's the point then? Why didn't we just roll a flip a coin at the beginning of the game? We, we just spent all this time setting something up. And, and it, it basically it says, well, that doesn't matter. So that's, I think, where it becomes too much. I, I thought it was kind of fortuitous. I was talking about this with uh, Ned earlier because we're going to talk about this tonight. But I mentioned just that how I've liked some of these kind of crawly kind of games lately. And Ned was like, man, you're changing on me, dude. Like, you used to be like the Euro guy. Like, you know, what, what's going on? And he's like, I think I think Jeff's, uh, uh, you know, affecting him. Like, Jeff and, and Brian Beach. But um, no, what, what's interesting is I, I think – I, man, I feel like I can straddle both lines because on the one hand, I'm totally like you, like in certain games, Chuck, like I'm like, no, you will not have luck. It's all about skill and, and good decisions, right? Like, but then the other times, like, why is it so just so darn fun to chuck some dice? You know? I think it's, I think it's the, like, does the game, the seesaw of the game, is it, is it sit on the, the narrative? Like I'm trying to tell a story or does it sit on the, I'm trying to exercise my strategy brain? Right, like where, where does that game sit in that? No, there's that continuum there, I guess. There, that makes sense. Right, it's like if 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 we're playing a game that we're expecting like a a story with you know rises and falls and and yeah. it's like then you, you you have to have that. And then then you have 
a game like Shogun that's a Euro style game with luck and it pulls it off like beautifully. Like it's, it's yeah. a masterwork. And you're like, they make me want luck in a game that I would normally, I'm like, heck no, I want no luck in this, you know? I think almost every combat game that I've played, if it doesn't have some luck in the combat, it doesn't feel authentic to me. Yeah. Like, because intuitively, I realize that combat is a really random thing. Wouldn't, wouldn't Mike Tyson quote it as saying something along, along the lines of, every plan's a good plan until you get punched in the face? You know, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, something along those lines, like, you know, all the fighters go in it with a plan, right? I mean, they all have a good plan. They've been training for weeks and they get punched in the face and it's like, it just got real. And that's not to discount the strategy, right? Like you still have to focus on that. I think that's where, what makes the, the best, you know, military strategist is the people that can anticipate where they're going to fail the most, Right or where their plans are going to fall apart the most and, and have those backup plans or the ones that are just really good at responding. When it falls apart, can I respond and pivot? Yeah. Right? So the game, so the game has to allow you to pivot at that point. Right. If the game doesn't allow you to pivot, that doesn't sound like yeah. fun to me. Right. So, so I, th- I think another way that sometimes randomness is uh, forgiven is going into a game, knowing that it's going to be random, like a pressure luck game, yeah. such as like, um, zombie dice or something like that you know that you're going to be just rolling dice and you're going to see how far you can go i mean that's the whole fun is how far can you go or or even uh pairs a game that we love it's it's that whole blackjack feel like i i really should take the conservative safe points right now there's a two on the board but i really want another card isn't that when randomness is fun though? Isn't that yeah. whenever even yeah. busting is hilarious and yes. you're having a great time losing the game? And and I think a key yeah. element to both of those games in particular is that they're both short. Like I can forgive a very random game if it's a yeah. very short game. And it's not like again earlier, like I said, setting something up. If you're playing an hour, two hour long game and you're setting something up and at the very end you have like a random decision that determines whether or not you do well that's not fun but a quick game it doesn't matter like you can you can forgive it very easily so so proper brian i know you you've talked in the past about um i hope you don't mind me throwing this to you but a couple different types of randomness the input and output randomness you you want to bring that into the conversation or yeah i think we've been talking around it we've been we just haven't said these terms yet and these i mean it's it's terms that do a good job of describing what we've been talking about but basically input randomness is you have a random event and then the player gets to to decide what to do and a card draw is a good example of this you know you draw a random card and then you decide what to do with it or you in monopoly you roll the dice and then you decide what to do with the property right so you had no control over where you ended up or what cards you got or something like that Uh, output randomness is you have a player decision and then a random event based on that player decision so you might have a combat role um, where you decided in risk or something like how many armies you're going to take where, and then you have combat role based on that decision. Now that's, that's not the best example, um, but basically it's where do the, where does the player decision lie in relation to the random, the random event, right? Yeah. One of my favorite examples of input decision is Jamaica, uh, where you roll the dice and then uh-huh. you decide what directions you're going. Right. 
another another good one is uh something like king of tokyo right uh, you kind of get it on both ends right you you get you roll the dice so something random happens to you then you get decisions about that but then you take those decisions and put them into another role and then you're kind of on that second and third role you're getting both input and output decision on both ends okay. of the randomness does that make sense um that's why i think the yahtzee system is actually a really good system i mean it's just di- dice rolling but you're looking at your result and making a decision about it and then rolling the dice again and then looking at the results and seeing if they match kind of how you're how you wanted it to go or or another direction and then making another decision and it uh, it works really well for that so most i guess most modern games now nowadays seem to have have it kind of on both ends of the random thing that happens like you get to make a decision and then something random happens then you get to mitigate it somehow and that goes to the you know the agency thing we've been talking about and i think that's kind of one of the big cruxes of this part of the discussion is do i feel like i had some control do i feel like i had a say in what happened in the game you know do i feel like i was a part of the game or do i feel like the game yeah. the, uh, you know the game played me or do i play the game anyway that uh, that's kind of the input and output randomness in a, a small nutshell we've been talking around it but to put you know those terms on it yeah is helpful but i, I kind of want to answer the original question in uh you know how much how much luck is too much luck right like most of my answers it's it depends right and chuck said this earlier for me it's kind of a sliding scale of like how long is the game how quote unquote serious is the game meaning you know you're uh, your decisions really impact your strategy. And so like a, a shorter game, like King of Tokyo, you know, rolling dice feels fine to me, but if we, you know, if we were doing the the same thing in something really long, it would, it would feel a lot worse. Well, I will say I played a long game of King of Tokyo. One of the longest I've played ever, probably over Christmas. And I was out within the first round or two. And mm. I, I'm glad it happened to me because I was able to still enjoy everybody else. But I think for somebody else, they would have been very upset with that. Uh, and then you can't play like another game until the other one's over. And it just like, it got drawn out for a very long yeah. time. Yeah. And um, we ended up not playing a second round. And that's probably one of the first times I've ever not played a second round of King of Tokyo. It was very odd. <laughs> right. It uh, To me, a game that has a lot of luck or randomness in it, belongs more on the short end uh, that's you know to answer the question for me right obviously there's games that there's randomness in it but there's a lot of decision making space surrounding those random events that make me feel like i played the game and yeah. when there's random events like uh in combat in a game that doesn't bother me too much because especially in a large scale when you're trying to simulate something like a big space battle or a big land battle it's like there's a lot of randomness inherent in that. And as long as I got to decide, you know, what I took into that battle and uh, how I outfitted my ships or how, you know, and then make some decisions in the middle, I feel pretty good about that. I think a good example of that um, old school video game called military madness. And it was Mm. a, it was a really fun kind of uh, turn-based think of like command and conquer, but turn-based, not real time. And what was really fun about that was you can take infant eight infantry guys against eight tanks. 
and it was still random like the computer would generate it but the but it also had a probability kind of engine to it where the tanks are probably going to kill your troops and it it factored all these things in so you had a decision to make it wasn't completely random unless you went equal to equal if i go tank to tank on level field and then you know it's going to be a roll of the die and and we had a lot of fun playing that game because we knew that before you walked in whatever the engine came up with you were just okay with the results yeah no i think i think you're right like if i can if i could decide uh what i take in if i'm playing star wars rebellion and i know that this is a pass fail mission going into it i'm okay with that i think where it hurt more for me was in dead of winter i think in that game the randomness um to it i still knew what i was getting into i still knew walking out i was going to roll this die i still knew going here i may or may not find this thing but it seemed like the decisions were too important and everything kind of hinged on every decision where i didn't have an opportunity to catch back up if i if the randomness hurt me too much so i can go to the gas station with the likelihood I would find gas and I didn't find gas and I didn't have another chance to find gas. Then I got bit and killed by zombies. And so that's, and and the fact that when I started that game, I randomly got a mission that was seemed almost impossible um, on top of it. It just kind of seemed like, did I have agency? Yes. But each, each individual decision was almost too important as opposed to a can I catch back up if I, if something doesn't go my way? And that's where I, I kind of get a little bit frustrated with that randomness. Even with the agency, I get a little frustrated with the randomness. Yeah. I would say, I think fun, a game stops being fun for me at the point where I feel like my decisions don't matter or matter very little. Right. So yeah, I have some agency, but dead winner's good example. We all like the idea of it and with the right group, it's fun, but uh, the execution can be a little, you know, it can be sometimes very anticlimactic, right? We die really quickly, and it's not because we had bad strategy or we didn't do the right things. We did the right things, but we just never found the things we needed, right? But, you know, um, and I know, you know, just Brian, you and I tend to like the gender crawlers more, and they're, they're full of swingy elements, right? But yet somehow I forgive them in those games. Those games. I've joked before about uh, the Warhammer Quest group, people, like the 1995 edition of the Warhammer Quest group that we're playing. But even in that game, there's ways to, you know, mitigate your luck. My my little elf character has a, a bow that when he's going to roll to hit, he adds two to that. Right. So I can choose to equip that, and I, I can outfit my character in such a way that I can I can mitigate some of that. Right. And then the game gives you like every character at least gets one like little luck token. So it's like everyone has a mulligan. If the luck all just totally screws up your day, yeah, you, you flip this token, right? And so I, I feel like, but then again, going into it, sometimes those games, because I, I don't want to say like I don't want to look at it at all because um, I think back to, I was actually playing one of that game's predecessors, uh, Solo, online via Tabletop Simulator, uh, Warhammer Quest Blackstone Fortress. I'm playing it. I had such a great time, even though I was having to um, play four characters, because as the you know, like this mission hinged on me doing this one thing. And like I, I had I had two clues, but I wanted to get a third, and so I ran all. I had one character. All the other guys are waiting for me in the elevator. They're ready to leave, and I decided to run one character all the way across the map. I happened to get a horrible roll on the event die at the very end, and 
like a elevator full of chaos cultists jumped out and were ready to like wail on this dude. But I managed to get like a good roll on, you know, on some actions and I tricked them and got out of there. My point being the, the luck in that, in that situation kind of told a story, right? I was able to thematically be like, Oh man, that's so cool. He nearly died, but then he got out of there and this and that. But if I stood back and look at it, I could also have just seen it as just a bunch of random die rolls. Right. So I don't know. I think the difference there being I had agency at any time, right? I'm the one who made the bad decisions. And then in that game, when you, when you take actions, it's kind of like, almost like Madeira, you roll dice and then you put them on your, on your character sheet and you can spend those number of pips for certain things. So I, I didn't feel like I was subject completely to the luck. Right. So, but I'm just, I'm just, I, I have trouble putting a finger on like exactly where that happens. You know, what game breaks this, what game doesn't uh, it's almost kind of like, I have to see it to, to know it. Right. Like I have to experience it to see if the luck is, and I wish I, I had a better metric for that because um, that would probably save me some bad plays of games that, that I've played that, you know, we're, we're so luck uh, or luck driven. I didn't feel like I had any agency. So do you have any thoughts on that as a guy who plays a lot of, um, dungeon, you know, dungeon crawlers and whatnot? Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like a, a lot of times, the reason why we forgive it in a dungeon crawl or even like a role play game, right? Where you, where you roll a die, like a D 20. Yeah. And you get the, you get the crits, the uh, pass crits and the fail crits. I think the reason why we forgive it so much in there is for one, we know the probability before we walk in. So it's a lot of things we've talked about. It's, it's kind of that, would that be the, that would be the input, right? The input randomness. We know what we're getting into basically before we do the thing. And, we need that chaos to to kind of flesh out the, the thematics at that point. It's it's like any combat simulation. It, there has to be some kind of chaos in there or the game's just not fun. And so if we didn't fail, then the then the successes wouldn't be fun at all. And if we didn't have epic fails, then the epic successes wouldn't be fun. Okay, yeah. Um, point. And so that's why really swingy games like our play of uh, Space Hulk is fun because we get these awesome things that we get to do, but they only have meaning because we have awesome failures. <laughs> and, and, and it, it, it kind of gives meaning to them. And so for one example that maybe people who aren't dungeon crawlers can appreciate is a game like Forbidden Island. My kids and I have lost a game of Forbidden Island where we made all the right choices but Fool's Landing, on the way to Fool's Landing, we had all the relics, we did everything right, we had all the moves to do it, but then Fool's Landing flooded twice in a row, and and we lost the game one turn short. Oh. But we all had fun playing, because it was such a tight game, and that yeah. epic failure had meaning to it and we know that if we ever win that game as a, as with my kids and i it's we're gonna we're gonna throw our hands up and it's gonna be so much fun winning that game but it wouldn't be fun winning that game if we won every time and that's where the randomness gives us a meaning yeah. that's where where it, it it plays its part in the narrative where it doesn't play its part is when the game is on rails you know <sighs> Speaking truths over here, he's dropping mics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Gee, that that put it into perspective a little bit for me. I don't know about y'all, but that makes a whole lot of sense. You uh, you spoke very well there. I mean, Ed, and you actually, I as you were talking, I'm like, did she get my head? Like that? <laughs> like that's that's 
he, he's speaking right to me, like speaking to my soul there. No, I think I think that's a good place to end our, our discussion on on uh, luck and randomness. Maybe maybe it's a topic we can visit revisit in the future a little bit, or in some form. Maybe not exactly, you know, uh, uh, another discussion exactly like this. But um, I'd like to talk with you guys uh, a little bit more about uh, some of these games that have randomness. Maybe we can maybe we can kind of pick uh, certain genres or whatnot. And talk about why we like it, and, and you know, uh, dungeon crawlers, but not euros, right? Because I know Shuck and I don't like dice in our uh, filthy, filthy dice in our euros. Uh, so yeah, but hey, as always, man, thank you, and uh, Brian, uh, thank you for ending ending that as you did. And uh, I always enjoy visiting with you guys. And uh, yeah, until next time. Thanks for listening to the Bub Meeple Podcast. If you enjoyed our content, like and subscribe, share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at pubmeeple.com or our website www.pubmeeple.com home to the board game ranking engine and always remember support your local breweries on episode 41 we talk about how much luck could a woodchuck luck if a woodchuck could chuck luck? <laughs> I messed it up. Oh, that was, uh, it was good. It was, uh, oh, that's great. Woodchuck's cluck. <laughs> that's a hard one to say, man. That's a hard one to say. Ah.